Welcome to Virtual Economy, a podcast about the business of games for the rest of us. We're your hosts, I'm Amanda Farrow. And I'm Michael Footer. In each episode, we'll cover the biggest business beats and bring in expert commentary from lawyers, analysts, and industry pros. But things are a little different today, because this is our second episode from GDC 2022, Iron Galaxy's commitment to a nurturing workplace. to be joined today on day two of GDC 2022, and we're joined by Chelsea Blasco, co-CEO of Iron Galaxy. Hello. Welcome back. I mean, Thank obviously you. this is our first time doing this in person. I know, wild. And she's wearing a People fierce have fit. Real, yes. real faces Yeah. And we have like, like actual, person. we're humans. It's crazy. I didn't know I've just been a Zoom face. <laughs> just a Zoom face. For those of you who have not had the opportunity to listen to our first interview with Chelsea, it is one of our favorites. It's one we refer to often on the show. And it was an interview that we did, gosh, when did we record that? Was that summer of 2020, I think? Somewhere around there? It was somewhere around there. Yeah, no, it was fall. It was fall of 2020. It was fall of 2020. And I loved that conversation. It was, and it was about taking care of employees and doing it, doing it right. And one of the reasons we were so excited to talk with you again, uh, is because I think we do a labor report every week when we do our new show and it's we often just kind of just, stumbled into it. We're yeah. like, we'll just do it a couple of times. Now it's every week. Yes. <laughs> and unfortunately a lot of the, the stuff that we're talking about is really challenging, but we, whenever we can, we, include stuff that's positive. And I think it's important to have positive labor conversations and let people know, as, as we were talking about prior to recording this, that, yeah, it can be scary out there, but it's not all that. There are, and there, there are really good people yes. out there and good studios that are doing the right thing. So that's really what our conversation is about today, is talking positively yes. about labor conversations. But we're not going to start with labor. Nope. Instead, we're going to start with economic development and your most recent announcement. So Mike, lead us yeah, in. Yeah, so you recently announced that you're opening a new location in Nashville, making it your third location, Our correct? third location, yep. Chicago, Chicago Orlando, Nashville. Awesome. Uh, All very different places. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Isn't this really, like, interesting... You could drive it pretty easily. You, yeah, Dave, Dave has driven it pretty easily. Actually, um, how how Nashville was even thought of at all to begin with was during COVID, Dave was down in Orlando and he was driving, not flying. It was winter time. He was driving back up to Chicago and got stuck in Nashville. Hmm. And he walked around and he thought, I really like it here. And so that was the very kernel of wow. why Nashville to begin with. That's kind of, that's serendipitous. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. So one of the things that, that I noted when the press release came out was there were obviously some quotes from state elected officials. And my background is in nonprofits. And I worked in New York State. I was in Rochester, New York. And we did a lot of work with the Economic Development Corporation there. So there was a lot of interesting parallels to some of the stuff that I've worked on in the past. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how that process came about, how you've worked with the state, and what that relationship looked like from the beginning of the conversation to the announcement. Yeah, so 
even back when we started Orlando, one of the one of the factors was: Are there any incentives in the mm-hmm. state? Are there any incentives to help make it a bit of an easier decision to make a move there? And at that time, there were incentives um, in Orlando. They were more on the film and television, but mm. games got to be part of that. And then, then they were sunset. We stayed in Orlando still, right? Um, and they are starting some incentive program up again. And so when we started looking at cities, we knew we wanted to expand. It wasn't just Dave getting stuck in Nashville, right? <laughs> we did look at what what kind of incentives do they offer? What are the what are the cities doing? Um, and that was part of the conversation. Um, how could we partner with the community? Because that was super important to us. We really want to be active in the community and understand what what kind of options there are. Um, and so looking around, uh, we were able to get some incentives through the both the Tennessee Valley Authority, Tennessee Valley Authority, yeah, which is sure, an old TVA, alphabet. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and then New Deal also the organization city of Nashville. Um, and that just made the decision a little bit easier. But, but really what we're looking at is how can we add to the culture? How can we give people another... I said this earlier too, another lifestyle choice, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Chicago, you have the big city. Uh, we have a lot of young and single people who tend to gravitate towards Chicago. Orlando is more kind of suburban, more approachable, um, more affordable than Chicago. So we tend to have a lot of families down there. And then Nashville was bringing something new as far as affordability, as far as, um, you know, lifestyle choices and uh, and just culture. And so that was just as important to us as any of the incentives we would get. The incentives just made it a little easier to make that choice. And when we talk about cost of living for our listeners who are not as familiar with how, obviously things cost different oh, amounts yeah. in different places, Definitely. whether that's real estate or healthcare or your groceries on a weekly basis. And when you look at cost of living, uh, it's on an index where 100 is the national average. Uh, if you look at, and this is a question, of course, the entire industry has asked over and over again, why is so much of the industry located in the Bay Area? Because if the cost of living in San Francisco, where we are right now, yeah. is 263 on that index. You've got uh, Madison, Wisconsin, which is above 100 uh, by a significant, not a huge amount, not nearly as much as San Francisco, and of course Madison, Wisconsin being in the conversation because of what happened at Raven, where you had people move to a higher cost of living area. Nashville's pretty much right on, right even. It's at 101 point something, I think. So it's pretty much right at the national average. Yeah, so now we have Chicago, which is a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. We've got Nashville kind of right in the middle, and then Orlando is still a little bit more affordable. Mm-hmm. So it's just giving people options. When we were deciding on a city, too, one of the things that was important to me was to go there and talk to quote-unquote, normal people who Hmm. live there to see what kind of lifestyles they have. Do they like it there? You know, what kind of houses can people afford? To me, it's really important um, to know that our employees with the salaries we can afford to pay can have a decent life wherever we have a studio. And frankly, that's one of the reasons you won't find us starting a studio in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that we can't pay enough to 
give our employees a good quality of life experience. And to me, that was really important to find out about the real estate in Nashville, to find out about cost of living and make sure that our average employee can have a good life in any of the places we have a studio. And part of that is that the state is... Yeah, obviously the state's interested in having you there. Yes. You're creating jobs. Yes. Which is a big piece of the economic development picture when you look at state governments. And, uh, you know, these are high, high, highly skilled jobs. And I'm curious, like, how that conversation came about and, you know, how you, how you negotiate something like that in order to be like, yeah, we're ready to, we're ready to commit to this. Yeah, I think... A big piece of why we decided um, we thought we could attract people to Nashville um, really had to do with the colleges Mm -hmm. in the area. There are a ton of computer science students in the Nashville area. I love that. Yeah, and mostly they were going into fintech or um, other tech sectors. Right. There wasn't really games as an option. If you wanted to stay in Tennessee, if you wanted to graduate and then stay there, there wasn't a games option. So we want to bring that. And one of the things we're doing is we're partnering um, this time around with uh, Vanderbilt and we're hosting 10 uh, CS internships this summer. And we're going to do an educational component as well to kind of bridge that gap between what they're getting at the university and then what they need to actually, what's actually specific to games. Exactly. So that we can educate them in that. Mm. Those programs are very different. I went through computer science in school and there was no way that I would have been able to ladder into games immediately from computer science because it just, they're... Similar disciplines, but different enough. Building computer scientists. And one of the things that was really compelling to us about Vanderbilt is currently 42% of their CS students are are women, uh, which is awesome. An awesome pipeline to then hopefully bring more diversity and encourage more of these people to come to games. Oh, man. That would be a very interesting conversation with Vanderbilt. I, I was the only pretty much the only woman in my computer science program. So, wow. Yeah, I was shocked. I thought that was really amazing. That's Um, wonderful. Yeah. And one of, we haven't decided it's Vanderbilt. We're still exploring universities in the Nashville area. But one of the things we've done in Chicago and Orlando is endowed scholarships with local universities. Mm. Part of being that part of the community, helping them to, um, helping them develop programs that actually help build people who have the skills that we need in our industry. And then we're hoping also encourage people who've been underserved in the past to look to games as a career and know it's viable. So we have the Iron Galaxy Diversity and Games Scholarship. That's wonderful. Um, but, uh, but I, yeah, I, cause I really believe um, that we really need to prepare young people and let them know this is a viable career. Let them know there are good places to work and then just help them bridge those gaps. I, I had no idea what jobs were out there. I fell into games backwards. Um, so many of us did Hmm. quite frankly. Yeah. Now we need to actually be proactive about educating people. And so we're, we're really excited to, um, to have this internship program. That's so cool. So uh, just for, for those listening who don't 
who might not necessarily understand how economic development relationships work when you're courting a company to to come into a community and create those jobs. There's tax incentives, there's loans, there's outright uh, financial incentives. Like, we will give you money yes. to come here, and you can use that money for a number of things. And I think you mentioned that they're, that you're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. Different states definitely have different options. Um, we're going to get a grant of money from Tennessee. So that enables us to do things like invest in this internship program to have, um, fly staff there to do the education, to live there temporarily, to, um, teach the internship program, to be there as mentors it's also helping us to take people who want to transfer from Chicago or Orlando to check out Nashville and see if it's right for them and to help them relocate because we really do think it's important to have a core of folks from our existing studios to bring the culture there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And also, so, you know, they'll be IG Nashville, that's true, but we want them to feel like they are they are Iron Galaxy. We are all exactly. Iron Galaxy Here are people who've been with us a long time, right? So that's really important to us. And I'll be traveling there quite, you know, a lot. Dave will be traveling there. Adam, we think it's really important to have FaceTime with people. Mm. Absolutely. It creates that trust. It creates connections and bonds and that kind of, you know, social intimacy that you need in order to trust people to do great creative work. Yes. And it's one of the reasons that, um, you know, while we're going to be hybrid, people are starting to come back to the offices and in May we'll, we'll amp that up a bit. Right. Um, we believe being in person is key to good collaboration. And I also think it really, turn strangers into friends, right? You get to understand um, people's quirks. You get to understand things that it's really hard to do over a Teams call or a Zoom call Mm -hmm. um, and build those relationships. Yeah. And you tend to think like everyone reacts with the same types of expressions. And then when you meet them, you realize, oh, you know, maybe you were misinterpreting something about them. And to have that Mm. true collaboration, you need to understand people. And also, like, want to go out and hang out with people. We know... Ah, uh, hanging out with people. Yeah, hanging out that with sounds people. Like, that sounds like a fantasy at this point. Although well, we're here. This we're is here. nice. We're, it's starting yeah. again, right? Uh, we know that there's only so much that's the work or the work experience we offer um, that keeps people, that, that retains people at Iron Galaxy, right? Right. A lot of it is also just those relationships they build with each other outside of work. Mm-hmm. And then at that, we think that's really key for retention, too, and building those opportunities for people to do that. I think this is a really good segue because, you know, you talked about Iron Galaxy's culture and making sure that this new location, uh, you know, embodies that culture. Uh, part of our first conversation, actually everything in our first everything. conversation was about... Culture. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I loved our first conversation so much because it's not often that we get to talk about intentionally, thoughtfully, and mindfully constructing culture in studios. So much of it, like policies are written reactively, culture is changed reactively. But the way that you have been handling things at the studios has been remarkable in that departure where everything is very thoughtful. So what I want to do, just in case folks haven't listened to our original conversation, is let's go back to the beginning just a little bit, like okay. just for a second, okay. just for a second. 
to establish how things were so we can get to how things are. Sure. Yeah, I started at Iron Galaxy as employee number 13. Um, Lucky number 13. Yeah, lucky number 13. (laughs) Honestly, 13 um, and 666 follow me everywhere I go. Um, Based on our conversation about fashion. My early goth days, it's uh, it's apropos. Um, (laughs) I love that we were both goth kids. (laughs) It was fun. It was. You know, just a, a quick segue, but... Recently, I, I put on some, you know, 90s industrial music and just danced around the kitchen whipping my hair around, and it felt, felt oh, good. Man. It felt really Those good. Those are the days. <laughs> Those are the days right there. But, but yeah, so when I started, I was, uh, I know I've, I've said this in a lot of interviews, but I was the first non, the, the, the first person who Dave had never known before, didn't have a relationship with before. I was the second non-programmer. We had the art director who had started a couple months before I did. And I was one of the first two women to start at the studio. And we still have Sujatha. She's a programmer. She's still with us. And so at that point, it was kind of like a bunch of midway guys Mm -hmm. who kind of knew each other and um, were making games, right? And uh, so one of the first things I did, we were actually doing a charity rock band concert and I thought it's wonderful okay I should join the rock band so that I can get to know people people could see that I'm like willing to have fun and be silly and not take myself too seriously and so I was one of the vocalists for the rock band (laughs) oh my god I love that so much uh rock band uh concert that we gave um but at that point we weren't thinking so much about culture. Um, We didn't have to as much because we were small. We all had like a certain amount of, um, we'd been in the industry for a long time. But as we grew, we really needed to think about it really intentionally and realize when you bring in people who don't have the same experience um, that they need more structure, they need more guidance, they need more intentional um, cultural touch points. They need someone to show them the way. Yes, they need they need feedback. Yes, you know, and in a different way than just casually leaning over the desk and and saying, "Hey, you know, whatever." Have um, you filed your TPS? Yeah, reports? exactly. They needed they needed structure. Wow. <laughs> then I destroyed the copier. <laughs> I don't know what PC load letter means, but amazing. But yeah, we. But have, have you seen my stapler? <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough. I'm gonna get and the flare on. <laughs> but yeah, we we had to really think about it, and one of the things we knew was we didn't want to encourage the type of cultures we had come from, um, and not that there weren't some good things about. Um, you know, some of the places we'd worked or, or some of the experience we'd had. But we knew that, one, we wanted to treat people like people. I mean, I'd come from uh, roles where it was like, oh, you're bleeding from the head. Uh, why are you trying to leave? You know, <laughs> like people making you feel guilty about about things like that. Or um, I had thought, and I, I do still love my first boss in, in games, but I didn't realize him being there 80 hours a week was 
was showing us that we should be there 80 hours a week, right? I thought, The establishment oh of crunch culture. Yeah, I was like, he's here just as much. He's working just as hard as us. That's awesome. And I don't even think he thought about, you know, what the message he was sending at that yeah. time, right? So having these experiences really made us think about how we wanted to be different than what we'd experienced in the past, how we wanted to not tell someone they couldn't go on their vacation, cancel it the last second because of the bug count or whatever, right? right. We really wanted to... Or a sprint being mismanaged yeah, or something exactly. like that. We really wanted to think of people as as, as people. I mean... <laughs> people make games. It's, a, it's yeah. honestly, it's... You'd think that it wouldn't be a novel concept in this year of 2022, but... Here we are still having to remind people out, like outside of the industry, consumers, players, that people make games and people need to be taken care of in order to make excellent games. Yes. Yeah. And to me, a big part of taking care of people is listening. We have a lot of different mechanisms to give feedback. Um, We have listening sessions. We have... Off open office hours with the three of us, the three, um, the studio affectionately calls us the tripod, but Dave, mm. Adam, and I, um, we have a 15-5 system where people can give feedback. Uh, we have an anonymous hotline. We have a, a person specifically in HR who does check-ins outside of someone's like leadership uh, org structure or whatever you want to call it um, to check in with people. And we try to both listen and then hear what people are saying. And they're two very different (laughs) skill sets. Like listening can be in one ear and out the other, but truly hearing and witnessing a person and their needs. I mean, that's, you'd think that that would be basic, but that's especially these days with all of the concerns that we've seen around labor issues, which we'll get to in a second, hearing someone is enormous. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is it is hard. Yeah. Um, and especially these last couple of years, I think um, people are having a lot of struggles. People have been isolated. Um, people have had, you know, grief. People yeah. have had so many things, so many challenges. Um, and those have been building up. I think now we're coming to the end and we're even seeing some of that. Like it's, it's coming out, <laughs> right? And it's yeah. uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. We want to give people grace to work through um, challenges that they're having. And we still want to also maintain respect for one another. Um, so we, we try to help people navigate those things. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure we haven't heard something in the past, right? It's different than... In the early days, we were 30 people. I sat right in the middle of the office, and I could just kind of hear everything. Sure. And I could hear if someone seemed to be getting a little fired up. or So now we have to rely on a lot of tools, especially mm-hmm. as we've been remote the last couple of years, sure. to and also help build that trust um, so people do want to share with us. And some people come from uh, cultures where sharing got you in trouble, you know, or where, um, trust was, was breached or where HR was not really a 
not really people first. And so it was company first, it was which company we've, first. we've yeah, talked about it absolutely. so much on this show where, especially at giant corporations, HR is there to protect the company, not protect the people. Yeah. And, and so one of the things that actually, um, was eye opening to me was maybe it was about a year ago we did some type of listening session or maybe it was even a company meeting because at the end of company meetings um, each month, it's just AMA forum. But I realized how much distrust some of our new employees had of HR. And I hadn't even really thought about mm. that since I'm like, oh, you know, I know how we teach our HR to function. Um, and so that that was good to hear, though, to know that and to know that that was an area where we did need we would need to earn trust sure um that we were doing something different i you know and it's good when i i I love having my assumptions challenged actually because i i learned something from that yeah normalize changing your mind upon receiving new information Yes. (laughs) yes exactly and i i receive new information every single day um and if i ever think i know everything I've failed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Everything is a learning opportunity. And I mean, that kind of brings us into the final topic of conversation, which is, you know, discussing what has been going on in the industry. And I mean, this is, you know, all of the labor issues, the toxic workplaces, the harassment, the, you know, people, perfectly lovely people being drummed out of their their industry of choice, out of their dream jobs because of cultures that didn't care for them. What kind of challenges does that present even to a company that is clearly putting workers first, putting policies in place that ensure that workers feel safe? Like how is, how is that affected the way that you govern the culture, if at all? Yeah, I think um, it's affected it and it hasn't in that we have, a, we have how we run our culture and how we have people as a value and how we make our policies to to always be people first. And we're going to do that regardless of what anyone else is doing. Right. But I do think, um, sometimes people come to us from those cultures. And like I said, it is then a bit hard to build the trust, especially since we've been remote. Um, and to have people understand that we are really trying to offer a different experience. Mm -hmm. Um, we are, we do really care about them and it can be a little scary to be vulnerable if you've come from a situation where that vulnerability was weaponized you in the past. Mm. And so that's part of that, giving people grace and kind of understanding where they are. And I, I do, I am looking forward to, um, seeing people in person again and there's only so much trust I can build over Zoom calls. I do lunches. I do orientations. Um, I want people to know I'm a real person and not just a CEO or whatever. And, and I want to see them as real people. Um, but I, I think there, there is a, it is a harder to do that when we can't be in person and build those bonds. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, to meeting everyone. that's great yeah I think I mean just to to recap a couple of things because obviously since we talked you guys have taken even more steps and this is before the you know the big industry movements that have happened over the past couple years you hired a DEI lead yeah yeah we have Regess she's our DEIA um, program lead and she's been great because I 
naively had thought, oh, I can, I can set this up and it'll get rolling on its own and it'll be great. Um, and, you know, I realized within a couple months that we really needed someone to focus 40 hours a week on, on that, on that mm-hmm. and on those initiatives. And it was really important to give her access to everyone at every level of the company, right? To be able to um, ask questions and to understand um, what people's concerns were, where we can grow, where we can shore things up, right? Um, And initially, she was DEI. We added the accessibility portion as well because it was really important to us, especially as we have more control over our own IP and products to make mm-hmm. sure that we're also embracing that as well, making sure we're, we're not missing that component. And, you know, I think... That's we'll part look, of inclusion, yeah, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she's she's been wonderful. We've really shored up our ERGs. Um, we've done a recruit-a-thon focused on diversity. Um, if, if we just continue to learn all the time, we're going to do some more education, especially with our leadership I love that. DEI. Yeah. So we've done some, but now we're going to have, um, uh, you know, more formalized programs. So we're just on the journey. We're on the journey. <laughs> Lots of exciting stuff. And of course, Rumbleverse is, has had a few tests so far. Yes. Looks wonderful. Thank you. That's going to be something we play with our kids. Oh yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Well, I knew, I knew it was, we had something when we had um, kind of like a, we had an animatic basically when we were pitching the game and my kid loved it, wanted to watch it like 1200 times on mm. repeat. And I was like, okay, we're on to we something. We got something here. We got something. It's cute enough. It's funny enough. Right. Um, Cause there was, what is it? There's some show like super monsters or something where mm. the preschool kids turn into monsters at night. Oh, and go to, right. It's called our house. Uh, yeah. Oh, they're there not you preschool go. anymore. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a lot they're of houses. Don't worry. Preschool. <laughs> But they have just these little seeds where the characters are turning into the monsters. And I was like, if, if my kid wants to watch that 800 times and then wants to watch, and that's a popular TV show and they want to watch this, yeah, we must have something going. So we're really excited about Rumbleverse. I, yeah, we're super excited. Awesome. <laughs> well, this has been a genuinely wonderful conversation. Thank you for joining well, us thank today. Thank you for what having a, me. What a great way to kick off our second day of GDC. Yes. Such yeah, a thoughtful conversation. Thank you yeah. so much. We're so grateful to Chelsea for taking the time at GDC to sit with us and chat about what's going on at Iron Galaxy. And thank you for listening to the Virtual Economy Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Virtual Econcast. I am at Footerish, F-U-T-T-E-R-I-S-H. And I'm at Amanda Farrow. You can subscribe to our RSS feed at our website, virtualeconcast.com. We're also available on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. I'm forgetting one. Pocket Sand! Ah, Pocket Sand! And, and more. And more. And more. Pocket Sand and more. And more. Uh, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, and if possible, review the show on your platform of choice. We'd love to hear what you think. And that means you can also DM us with questions, uh, because we love answering listener questions. You can uh, shoot us an email at podcast at fsquared.biz. You can, I don't know, uh, flag us down in the street and be like, hey, I have a question for you. And we'll be like, how please, did you find where I live? Please don't do that. <laughs> please, I'm begging you. Please never do that. That would freak me That would freak me out very much. If you'd like to. If you see us on the street, you can say hi, but please don't. Please don't do that. Please don't listen to Mike. 
But you can, in fact, join our Discord community where you can flag us down and ask us questions anytime you like. Yep, just shoot us a DM or an email and we're glad to give you an invite to the Discord. All right, and that is it for today. We will be back with our regular news show on Monday. In the meantime, remember to wash your hands, stay hydrated, and be good to one another. We'll see you in a few days.